Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. or snow or anything. The minute there's snow or ice, you come in moody. <laughs> so I want to get all that mood away, all right? So pay attention. Some of them are easy and straightforward. Some of them you will laugh on your way home in Jesus' name. Okay, all right. A Sunday school teacher had been telling a class of little children about crowns of glory and heavenly rewards for good people. Now tell me, she said at the close of the lesson, who will get the biggest crown? There was silence for a minute or two. Then a bright little chap said, I think he's the person with the biggest head. <laughs> After all, we had the biggest crown. <laughs> you know, the person that has the biggest head. <laughs> An Anglican bishop prayed every day for Christian unity. Catholics don't recognize the Anglican communion. Anglicans don't recognize the Pope. Methodists don't recognize each other. Lord, let there be unity. Let us all be one. One day, God spoke to him. The good news is that I have decided to answer your prayers, boomed God from heaven. From now on, all Christians will be one. There will be no more denominations. The priest trembled with excitement. The bad news, God continued, is that you are going to have to move to Rome. That one, you will get it on your way home. When you remember (laughs) what goes on in Rome. Notice in church magazine, this Saturday, the Women's Guild will hold their annual jumbo sale. Ladies, this is a good time to get rid of any unwanted items in your home. Don't forget to bring your husbands. I am 96 years old tomorrow, Pastor. I don't have one single enemy in the world, said Pa Jones proudly. That is wonderful, said the pastor. You must truly have a forgiving heart. No, Pastor, I've just outlived all my enemies. All right, let's say this together. Say every day and in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say it one more time. Say, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have come before your word again today like people that have found a great spoil. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that understand who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. I ask that you anoint me and my lips of clay so that your word will come unhindered and unchecked by any demonic force. And at the end of this message, let your people be edified and let your name alone be glorified. And once again, Lord, we receive a supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ for this message and for the life of our church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, financial stewardship part number three. Um, this has been an exciting series, both for me, um, learning about, you know, some of these things, rereading some books that I thought I have read before, you know, and going through my notes. It has been really, really eye-opening. Um, I always like to say that whatever you think you know that is not producing results actively in your life, you actually don't know it. You need to go and relearn it. You know, these are things that I have taught in the past. These are things that I've studied in the past that I thought I knew. But the truth is, after a while, you lose sight of certain things. If they are not being repeated, you lose sight of it and you forget that you even knew them. So this series, I believe, will be a life-transforming series. 
if you actually pay attention. For some people, we are already hearing incredible stories, like, like tangible testimonies that people can already see that this is making a difference in their lives. So I believe it so much that if you pay attention, this will literally be a life-changing series for every one of us. Um, and we will, we will continue next week. We'll wrap it up hopefully next, next Sunday. And you say, ah, but Pastor Shane, don't you know that next Sunday is Valentine? I know. But I also know that if you get your money right, your marriage, you'll be happy in your marriage. I'm telling you, if your money is okay, <laughs> you, there are some fights that you will not fight. I promise you. So we will go through this. And then after this series, then we will talk about, you know, secrets of a healthy marriage. Um, you will like that message. So let's, let's just finish this and make sure that we have trashed it. It will set us on a good plane for the rest of the year. So financial stewardship part number three. The, the, the message that I want to really share today is the principles of money multiplication. That's what I said last week. So, but this is part three of financial stewardship. Now, let's start with the reasons why we are multiplying money. What are the reasons for multiplying money? Because I, I know that from the first two weeks, my emphasis has been on understanding that when God blesses us, we are stewards, and God has need of the resources that he has put in our hands. That has been our emphasis. But the, the giving to God and the work of God is not the only reason why we make money or why we multiply money. There are other reasons. So we want to put a balance to it, put context to it, and then we will take it from there. All right? So reasons for multiplying money. Number one. Number one reason. These are not in order of importance. They are just as I'm led to share them. Okay? They, we have already said that the important thing is what we started with in the first two weeks. So I know by now that we understand what the priority should be. Number one reason why we multiply money, to be able to meet your needs. Number one reason why you have to be a what is to be able to meet your own needs and the needs of your family. That is the first thing. That's the first, the first reason why we multiply our money. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. First Timothy 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, if you are, you are not somebody who is giving, and, and again, let me just stress it here. This scripture does not put any gender to this. It says, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, because he's using is, does not mean that he's only a man. When the Bible uses the word man, most of the time he's talking about mankind. So he's not saying that the man is the only one that should provide. Okay? So that's not the idea here. The idea is that everybody, every believer is supposed to understand I'm responsible for the provision of my household. If you and your partner, your spouse now decide, I'm very careful using that word partner because some people now, the meaning of everything has changed. Uh -huh. So when I, when I say partner, I'm talking about a man and one woman, okay? That's, I have to make that very clear. Now, so if you, if you say you and your, your spouse agree that this is, you know, how we want to do it, that the man will be the one providing, then that's your own problem. That's up to you, okay? But it doesn't say that only the man must provide. Everybody has a right to chip in. It depends on how you guys agree to run your finances. If you agree to, to put, you know, everything in one account and operate that way, like the way we do, that's fine. If you decide that, you know, the, the way you want to do it, you bring 50%, I bring 50%, we put it in one account, the other 50 I can do whatever I like with, that's your own issue, right? But there has to be agreement because can two work together except they agree. So if you agree on the way you, are, you want to run your home, that's fine. But you need to also know that it all has pros and cons. Uh -huh. Putting things together has its pros. It also has its cons. 
And so if you want to indulge your flesh, <laughs> you can do some other approach. But, you know, like my, my pastor in Nigeria always says that men get in trouble when they have disposable income. Uh-huh. There's something called disposable income. Income that you can't, nobody, no, you are not accountable to anybody for. That's how men get in trouble. So if you're a wise man, you understand that you don't want to expose, leave yourself exposed. Leave yourself with disposable income. I don't know how I even get it. Point number two, <laughs> why we multiply money? To be a blessing to other people. So after we take care of our families, number two reason is to be a blessing to other people. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Ephesians 4, 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So this is the reason. He's saying the person who is stealing, let him steal no longer. Rather, let him labor. Let him walk with his hands. Why? That he may have something to give to him who has need. So one of the reasons why we, we walk is to be able to have something to give to somebody that has need. This is where the poor come into the equation. All right? Proverbs 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, 17. It says, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. So the person who has pity on the poor, the Bible is saying that you are lending to the Lord. You are lending to God and he will pay back what he has given. So you are not looking to the poor to, to pay you back. You are looking to God for the payback. Number three, reason why we multiply money. To be able to give to God. Number three reason. To be able to give to God. You might say God is in heaven. How are we giving to God? We give to God through the representatives that he has on the earth and the interests that God has on the earth. So that is through the local church, through ministries and ministers. I will break it down, all right? This is just a preamble. I might be going quickly, but it's a preamble. I'm, I'm about to get into the message. We give to God through the local church, number one. Through other ministries. They are parachurch ministries. They are not churches but there are ministries like Believer's Heritage Ministries that we started when we didn't really know that we were going to start a church. What we started was a ministry that will function on its own. It's not a local church, but we'll be able to do seminars, conferences, you know, workshops, helping people. There are ministries like that. And then there is the local church. And there are also ministers. And I will show you some scriptures today that might challenge you a little bit. Um, because, again, if you come to church and everything I, I, I say is always, yes, sir, amen. I like it. Preach that. That's good. That's okay. But there comes a time when you have to say some things that will challenge your theology. So that you will go home and say, ah, mm, I don't really agree with that. Because that's the essence of church. So it's not everything that you might agree with. But I challenge you to go home, look at the scriptures for yourself. Alright? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start look at some of those scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 from verse 11. 1 Corinthians 9 from verse 11. It says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things. This is Paul asking this question and saying, if we have blessed you with the word of God, we have sown spiritual things, is it okay if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So he's saying here that it is, the, it is a right for somebody who is preaching the gospel to you to benefit of your material things. Now, the reason why you don't hear this preached, uh, especially with, with uh, my generation of, of pastors, uh, you know, people that are in their, in their 30s and their 40s, 
is because they are afraid that if you start sharing this, people will think that you are looking for something. So they don't want to, and I had to correct myself and check myself when um, one of our pastors was dealing with me about what, taking offering. I had to really, really check my heart and pray about it and say, why is it that I said from the beginning that we are not going to be taking offering? Why? Is it because I saw it in the Bible or because, then I decided, okay, I think it's because I was afraid of putting pressure on people. All right. So she, she helped us and said, okay, let's take away the pressure. Don't put pressure on people, but you have to give people opportunity to give. You cannot say you are doing church. And I asked myself, I said, why is it? So I, later I found out one of the reasons was not really because God gave me any specific instruction. It was just because I was looking for a nice, you know, it's nice when you tell people that oh, we don't take up in our church. Just come. You know, those things sound nice, but we have to be very careful. That is not everything that sounds nice that is Bible. It's not. Some things sound, you know, nice. Yeah, in our church, like what, you know, my friend, I'm always remembering their story because they told us that in their church, they would tell them that if, you, if this month you don't have enough money, don't tight. No pressure, don't tight. Ah, I said, you are, they are, see, hey, this is financial limitation that they are putting on your destiny and you are accepting it. You are accepting it. So some of these things, we might, we might look at it and say it's nice. So me, I just want to let you know that when I'm, when I'm sharing things like this, it's not because I need anything. I've told you before, I work. I don't, I, this, I'm a, I'm a pastor by grace, not as a job. I didn't go to school <laughs> to study pastoring for four years and come and open church. No, I have a job that I do. Out of that job that God has blessed us with, we give to the church from that job. There might come a time in the future when the church grows to the level where you feel like, okay, I have to stop doing a secular job so that I can focus on the church. That time will come, but it's not this time. It's not now. So when, I, when I'm sharing things, that it's not because I need anything. There's nobody in this church. I'm not saying it, you know, like, again, it's the fact, but I'm not saying it. I've got my, my wife always, she's the one that checks my messages. See, that one should not have said it. So I'm looking for a nice way to say this one. <laughs> See, it's not because, how do I say this without offense? Because I want to eat my full lunch today now. Now, let me say it this way. You see, you see, the truth of the matter is that this, this thing that we are doing, this ministry that we are doing, is because God said do it. it. It's not because I need anything. There's nobody in the church since we started that has ever given me anything personally. Nobody. And I'm not, I'm not looking for it. I'm not saying it so that you might say, oh, nobody gives pastor. Oh, oh. No. Look, look, even when we do pastor appreciation or, or something, nobody does anything. And I don't care. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for that. A time is coming in this church, though. Samson is the one that hears all this story of a time is coming because he's the one that spends time with me before and after. <laughs> There's a time coming in this church, though, that the cars that people will be giving me on my birthday is what I will be using to bless families in the church. I'm telling you. No, and, and it's not a prayer. I'm telling you what will happen, exactly what will happen. Like today, we were, we're here at 9.30 and there was no human being in the hall. And me and him were just just, and I was just, I was just reminding him again of the things I used to tell him at the beginning. And I, I told him again, I said, Samson, a time is coming that at 9.30 a.m. in the morning, this hall or wherever we are will be full. There will be people outside. They will come at 9.30 because they know that if they come here one minute past 10, they will not find space to sit. And that time is coming. Uh-huh. But it's just that if you, oh, I'm, I'm going to preach everlasting gospel today. I'm already on the path of everlasting gospel. Okay. So what, what the point we are trying to make here is that mature Christians understand that it is their responsibility to be a blessing to their local church. It's their responsibility. They understand that. It's their responsibility to give to ministries. Ministries that are not churches that don't take tithe. They are not supposed to take tithe. 
It is the local church that you're supposed to bring your tithes to where you worship as a church. But those ministries need to be funded by Christians. It's Christians that will fund them. It's not unbelievers. I will show you the other scripture, dangerous scripture that Paul, Paul was telling the church. And there are some people in the church that, that stand as a hindrance to such things. They think they are doing the will of God. And you see it in that scripture when we read it. So it's mature believers understand that this is my responsibility. They don't cry wolf over that. and say, all they want is my money. Baby Christians can be crying. You cannot expect anything more from a, a new believer. If somebody is new in the faith, you, you don't come and tell them, partner with ministries. Ah, ah, please, <laughs> let them understand what we are doing first before you start talking partner. Hey. But we, for instance, we have ministries that we partner with on a monthly basis that every month they can count on your giving. It's not that every month you have to be believing God. And I'm be saying, God, please, please, this month, don't let them take us out of our office. We need the rent. No, like it's not supposed to be so. Christians are supposed to be the ones that they, they know that whatever happens, even if this person has a financial difficulty, it's not given that they will cut out of their budget first. Because you are, you are cutting away channels of, of blessing that God wants to use to, to bless you. You cut it off. Let me keep going. Let me just read the scripture so that I'm not... Third John. Let's go to Third John. It's one chapter from verse number 5. I'll read it to verse 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation just for clarity here. Okay? Third John from verse 5. Listen to this. Dear friend... You are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. So he's not even, he has left the issue of pastors now. He's talking about traveling teachers. You know, like, like for instance, the, the, the minister that we're going to invite for Revive um, in, in, on July 1st, like the, the three days program that we normally have, is an itinerant minister, ministers that just travel around. This man, a lot of you grew up reading his books. Uh, I won't tell you the name. When the time comes, I'll tell you. You will open your mouth and say, ah, how? <laughs> and he has already agreed and he's coming. Uh, but we're just keeping it in the cooler because you don't want to start announcing things. Everybody will start trying to do the same thing. So, that, so it's people like that. You are supposed to be a blessing to them. You know, like, like for instance, when, when Pastor P.K. came here, do you know that there were people who are not even members of this church who gave offerings that they, that they labeled Pastor P.K.? Ah, I was so, I said, these ones are taught. These are Christians. It's not that, you, that anybody has to come and raise offering. I say, let's raise an offering for the man of God. The reason why churches have to do that is because people don't do it. Some people labeled it and said, this is, and we have had, you know, guest ministers before. I mean, the first time Pastor, uh, Pastor Dyer came to minister here to the very first time. Somebody in the church gave an offering and labeled it Pastor Dyer. I said, oh, this guy, you are, they thought you were where you are coming from. You know, because these are, these are things that we have to teach. So no matter how anybody feels about it, if you don't like me, Watch something else. There's entertainment. Uh -huh. You don't like, you say this one is just talking about money. Watch something else and let's see how your life will turn out. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So you have to understand that there are principles in the Bible and we have to follow those principles. We don't go against the principles in God's word in order to get ahead in life. Verse number six. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. He said, please continue to provide for such teachers. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. So partnership is in the Bible. It's not that anybody came up with it as a way of collecting money. It's in the Bible that we should be their partners so that they can continue to do what they are doing. And that is the, that's the whole idea. Verse number eight. Okay, I've read verse 8. Verse 9, I wrote to the church about this, but, look at this guy now, I can't even pronounce his name. 
This is how you know that he's a, he's a very strange person. Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. You know, there are people like that in the church that they, they feel like, yeah, we know, we know what's supposed to be happening. Uh-huh. They, they are the ones who, who stand against things like this. People who think they are spiritual, uh, but they feel like, you know, they, you hear things like, um, there are some pastors that go to a church. Instead of, instead of collecting honorarium, they will say, oh, I'm going to buy chairs for the whole church, or I'm going to give an offering, and they will announce, and say 100000 for the church. And everybody say, yes! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's it. I like that kind of pastor. <laughs> it's not all the pastors that should be coming and collecting money from us. I like pastors like this. Listen to me. That's not in the Bible. No, I'm telling you today, if you see it in the Bible, come and show me. That is not a biblical approach. If anybody comes to your church and they say, I want to bless you, they are robbing you of your blessing. I'm telling you that from the word of God. Your job is, if the person comes and says, I want to bless you, that's fine, sir. We appreciate the blessing. But here is our own seed. Ah, who is, who is fooling who? So you come, you sow seed, you reap and go away. Then we will remain the same. Then you come back next year and we'll still be looking up to you. No, sir, not here. Not here. But people are foolish because they don't read their Bible. They'll think that, ah, yes, I like such men of God. I like that. You know, it's not just to be taking things. No. You'll receive, what, what was it? Jeremy, Jeremy Pearson, my pastor in Colorado that I'm always talking about. He was, this is a perfect scenario of what happened in their church. They were doing, they were trying to raise an offering for their media department. They wanted to buy new cameras, expand the whole thing. They were looking for like one something. Now, his mother and his father, they have a church. They came to his church that day, huh? and as was raising the offering. He said, uh, raise offering, offering one million. The parents stood up, said, we are giving 200,000 for the camera. Everybody shouted, yay! Jeremy said, no, not here. He brought out his own envelope. Say, we too, 50,000, we have already prepared it. Take. Ah, don't come here and come and collect our blessing and go away. No. Those are people that understand kingdom. But you will say, ah, why are they doing money exchange? Why don't you keep your 200, keep your 50 and then 150? You don't understand the kingdom. You don't understand. These are principles that people, that we operate by. And it's, that's how it's done. So let anybody come and say, you know, if the pastor wants to give his own offering, that's okay. That is his own. But you, understand that you have a responsibility. I hope I've made this very clear. That you have a responsibility as a believer to anybody that is ministering the word of God to you. Very, very important. Verse 10. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusation he is making against us. They start start saying funny, funny things, making up stories. Then he says, not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children. And those who do evil prove that they do not know God. You see what he's calling evil? <laughs> he said people that are doing this is evil. And they are proving that they actually don't know God. So anybody that, that says he knows God understands that this is the way it works in the kingdom. You know, sometimes we, we, we think that when God wants to use us as a channel of blessing to other people, we think God is robbing us of something. Let me give you a very good illustration. You, you remember the story of the woman that had the alabaster box, right, in the Bible, that broke alabaster box and was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and doing everything. People would think that she just used that oil on Jesus. Do you think that Jesus was the only one that benefited from the oil? Let me ask you a question. When they left the room, was there any difference between the way the woman was smelling and the way Jesus was smelling? No difference. 
the both of them were smelling the exact same way. So whether the oil was on Jesus' feet or on my air, it's the same benefit. It's the same way. When God is using you as a channel of blessing, right, and he, he puts things around you and you are able to bless other people with those things, you are the first one that enjoys those blessings. You are the first partaker. All right? So this, this is my introduction. This was supposed to be 15 minutes. I've used five minutes over. So let's keep going here. Principles of money multiplication. I hope that was, that is even good enough as a message. I'm telling you. <laughs> this is why I said we need more than one week. So wherever we, we stop uh, with the time that, that I on the principles, we'll just continue next week, okay? So let's start here. Uh, uh, these are principles of money multiplication. Like I said, some of them, you already know them. The only problem is you are not doing it. So what we want to do is to make sure that you go back to actually practicing these things. Because we live in a world that is governed by principles. God is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of principles. He respects the principles in his word. That's why if you see unbeliever, you saw that scripture we read that anybody that, that gives to the poor is lending to God. Believers understand that principle. They practice it. That's why you see them that even though they don't know God, they have foundation. There's none of them that you see, Forbes list, that don't have one foundation or the other. That they are consistently channeling money towards the poor. Uh -huh. Because they know that there is, there is a covering. They might not understand it in the way that we understand it in the Bible, but they know that there is a fit and a blessing that comes from being a blessing to other people. So let's start here. Number one. The first principle here is increase your financial knowledge. Step number one. If you want to do anything, the first step that you need to take is to get information about it. So if you're, you're trying to build a house, I mean, even when you want to buy a car, is it not to go and be looking at all the cars and finding, you know, out, okay, how does this car work? Which one, how many cylinders? Oh, how, how is the fuel economy? You do all that work. So for your own life and your finances, why are you not consistently studying? consistently reading, getting financial information. Reread all the books that you think you have read. I told you at the beginning, there are some books. See, I opened Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One that everybody thinks that even an unborn child thinks he has read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Because it's so popular. And that's the folly of it. Because you think that something is so popular or it has been in your bookshelf. I opened it. Ah. I was seeing some things. I said, ah, I'm not, hey, this one is on the way to Poor Dad though. <laughs> You have to adjust. I'm telling you, you will see things that you say, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, is not the, this is the road to poor dad. You have to come back to the right path. I'm telling you, you will see things that you will be shocked because you have lost sight of them. It's almost as if you, you never read it. So go back to some of those things. As, uh, start from there. Start from little, little ones like that that show you all the basics so that it can be at the forefront of your mind. So that when you are making financial decisions, it's at the forefront of your mind and you are using that as a check. Learn about stocks. Learn about bonds. When they say crypto, don't say that crypto is for them. It will crash. Yeah. It will crash. It's not real. <laughs> it will crash. And they say Bitcoin. Say, no, I don't like fake things. It will crash. Listen, people are moving. <laughs> they are going. So one day you will just wake up and suddenly realize that, ah, that's the only thing that we can use now. Let me ask you, when was the last time you saw cash? You know, the other day I was, I was in the elevator. I saw a lady that came to do delivery. I saw a $20 bill in her hand. And it occurred to me that, I know some of you still deal with cash, but me, personally, I cannot remember the last time that I actually used my eyes to see physical cash. I, I can't remember. And I, I, I joked with the lady about it. I said, ah, she said, ah, me, I see it every day because I do delivery. I said, you are lucky. Me, I can't tell you the last time. <laughs> because everything now is just, you know, virtual. When your, your pay comes in, it comes in directly into your account. All you see is numbers that are changing. That's all you see. 
right? So we are getting to that place where you will be shocked that in, in, in the near future, those will be the only things that you will be using. And you will be there and be saying, oh, what are they doing? Crypto, it will crash one day. You're wishing, like, just like some people are wishing the housing market now that everything will crash. They are just praying that God, please. <laughs> Instead of believing God for their own, they are just praying that God, let everything crash. <laughs> let all these people just lose all their money so that I can get it. <laughs> God is a respecter of principles. He's not a respecter of persons. All right? So, that's the first step. Get financial knowledge. Number two, find something to do. Find something to do. Find something or things to do. Uh, if you say, oh, but Pastor Shane, I already have a job, find something else to do. Don't sit down with your nine to five. Your days off are not supposed to be days off. <laughs> See, wealth is not for lazy people. It's not for lazy people. It's not, yeah, ah, but I've gone to work nine to five. Listen, me, they know me, even in my office now, they know me, that my lunch time, as I have my rice in one corner, my laptop is open in another corner. I can never be idle. Is it that I'm designing something for church? Or I'm preparing something, I'm doing a flyer, or I'm, I'm, I'm editing a book for somebody, I'm doing a cover design, I'm doing something on my own time. I'm not saying on your company time, on your own time that you have. And when you get home, your nights, what do you do with it? Okay? You have, to, you have to have something else that you are doing. And if you don't have a job, that's your first job. Because here, getting a job is a real job. Uh -huh. So that's your first job. You sit down with it and, and start, you know, sending out stuff. See? I don't like saying the number because it sounds like an exaggeration. But I'm, I, I promise you, when I was looking for a job, when we got to Halifax and I, I, I transferred to the company that I transferred to here, of course, I knew that that one was not sustainable. But when I started looking for a job, I'm telling you, I, I must have, I, I sent CVs in double figures. See, the CVs that I sent out, they are closer to 100 than they are to 1. The number of CVs that I sent. And these are not CVs that you just type one CV and just be sending to everybody. There are CVs that you have to customize to suit the job that you're applying for. So somebody, they post a job, you have to read what they're looking for in the job. Because what you don't know, let me just give you a secret in case you don't know, is that the job application, huh? when you get to some manager level or supervisor in your work, you understand that when they are posting jobs, they're not going to look at every single CV that comes in. There is a software that screens your CV based on keywords that are in the job description. If you don't use those words, your CV will not even show up. So they are looking for people who have actually read the job description and can describe, either in their cover letter or you know, the application process, how they fit that role. So you have to be using the same similar words. So that's what they are looking for. It's those ones. That they, that's why you see that you send CV and nobody even calls you. They don't, because they didn't get it. You, the software has already screened you out <laughs> of the entire thing. So it's the ones that they see that they will now say, okay, we got 20 CVs. But maybe 200 people sent CV. But... They want to screen out as many people that are just sending them random things. All right? I'm just chipping all this in here and there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. Proverbs 14, 23. I hope you are getting blessed by this. I, I, I promise you, if you apply these things, these are very simple, easy things, but if you apply them, you will see results in your life. There's no doubt about that. In all labor, there is profit. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. It says in all labor, all there suggests that you are doing more than one thing. It's not sit down in one place. It says in all labor, there is profit. But I do chatter. You are, you, are chat, you are talking about other people. Say, why is he a jack of all trades? Jack of all trades. Why is he doing two jobs? Jack of, look at him. I do chatter. Poverty. That's the destination of I do chatter. So it's not to sit down and be talking about people. You go and find something to do and find something else that you can actually 
you know, get involved in Proverbs 6 verse 6. Go to the ant, use sluggard. Consider our ways and be wise. Start a business. There, there's nothing illegal about having a side business in Canada. That you have a job. Even your employer knows. There's nothing illegal about it. There are so many of your employers that have their own companies. So it's not that, you know, it's anything illegal. As long as you are not doing anything on company time, you have to have a side gig that you are doing. No matter how simple it is, you can, you can do delivery. There's nothing that is beneath you. You know when people say, nah, that's, no, that's beneath me. If it's beneath you, maybe wealth is above you. Honestly. So you, 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 you say some things that are beneath you. You know, I always tell people, remember when we're in Vancouver, you know, some people come and say, you know, I'm applying for jobs, but the jobs that they are giving me, I mean, even when I was in Nigeria, I know the kind of job I was doing. I'll just be looking at them like, you don't know anything. Get your foot through the door. I always tell the story of how I got, you know, when I was in Vancouver, how I got the job from, from the, the manufacturing floor that I was in to, to the upstairs job in customer service where I was managing accounts for pharmacy, superstore, everybody. Like all of this Atlantic Canada, before we even knew where it was, I knew everybody's address. I'm the one that sends flyers to everybody. Because <laughs> I knew all their, you know, everything was on the spreadsheets that I deal with all these massive companies. But how did I get that job? If I had said, no, manufacturing, no. Me that I was running my own publishing company in Nigeria. You now come and say, I should come and stand by a printing machine. That's the job that I started with. But I stood there. And the, the, the thing will be printing, I'll be collecting what is printing and packaging it. That's the job that I started with. It was while I was standing there that somebody passed by me and said, ah, guy, you speak very good English. Did you go to school? I said, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Did I go to school? I have master's, master's degree. She said, what? I said, yes, I have a master's degree in mass communication. So the only thing that I'm, I'm telling here is because I want to enter the, the office. I want to get my foot through the door. Meanwhile, they had posted for that job. They were looking for qualified people. But I was there in the plant. It's because I was there. I don't know why I'm sharing this. I'm setting somebody free. It's because I was inside the place. The, the, the lady said, ah, you, 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 you went to school? I, I always say it. Every time I pass, because she is like supervisor, she will be coming to check that we are doing the right thing. She said, every time I pass, I hear you speaking. I know that. You, know, you, ah, you must have. She said, go and send me your CV. Immediately. You know what they say, where we came from? Like, sharp, sharp. <laughs> I, I packed my load. I told my partner, <clears throat> Please watch this thing. I ran to the bathroom, carried my phone, quickly looked for my CV, detected, you know, the old ones, and put the thing to adjust it to fit the job. I did it in the bathroom and sent my CV to them. That's how I got the job. And I moved upstairs. And all the people in the floor, they now started looking at me. But the next time I came to the office, I was looking like this. Suit. Not the one that I wearing big goggles and boots. I was wearing suit. I came into the office. I was looking at, ah, Sean, Sean, what happened? You know, be there. And be waiting for somebody to come to your house and give you the job. <laughs> so somebody watching online today, you're sitting on your couch, you're just waiting. When will the job come? Listen, whatever they offer you, get your foot through the door. Take the job. Take it. Be diligent with that one. Be diligent. And sometimes, it's not even just that God wants to use that job to promote you in the same organization. Sometimes, he just wants to use those jobs to connect you with people. I told you, how, how did myself something meet? It was at one of these jobs that I did in Halifax that at the time looked like, ah, this is not my kind of job. That's where I met, I met him. I met Gene in another, another organization like that, where me and him were doing things together that you will look and say, ah, this is not the kind of job that I'm supposed to be doing. Even after I had done this one that I told you that was a miracle job, that when we, we now had to transfer here, I had to take a pay cut just because we knew that this was the place that God was sending us to. I can tell you stories upon stories. Well, let, let's just keep going because of time. I don't want to... 
But I, I believe that this is, this is blessing you because, you know, the people just sit down and they are looking for everything to be rosy, you know, because you want to take fine picture and send to your family in Nigeria. Forget everybody. When, when God blesses you with what he wants to bless you with, we will see the difference in the, in the lives of the people. But you stay with, with God and focus on what you're supposed to be doing. All right? So help people solve problems in exchange for money. Money is only a means of exchange. Nobody's going to give you money if you're not solving problems. I told you, the people that we pay to play hockey, and we pay them 50 million a year, they are solving problems. Whether you like it or not, they are solving the problem of entertainment. There are problems everywhere. Housing problem, clothing problem, feeding problem. People that are shipping things and opening, we're discussing, <laughs> we're discussing the, the African store the other day. I was just lamenting about the pricing. I said, but this guy, as my wife laments, I would tell her, even though I know I'm preaching to the choir, I know she understands, but that's how we bounce off ideas. I said, this big person that you are whining about like this, ah, look at the price. If I buy it here, look at the price. If I buy it here, look at the price. I said, this person is solving a problem. Whether you like it or not, the person is solving a problem. The problem is that you cannot, by yourself now, just stroll and enter Nigeria and buy it. <laughs> and stroll and come back. <laughs> the only place where you can get it is with him. So you will go there and buy it. Except if you want to buy it four months ahead of time. But if you need it today, and there's, you can't go to your neighbor and knock and say, give me Maggie. You can't do that here. They will call police for you immediately. <laughs> immediately they will call the police and say, there's a fellow here who is knocking on my door. <laughs> Says he wants, he wants his name. I suspect him. He's a suspicious person. <laughs> so you can't do that. You have to go to him in the African store and say, I'll give, give me Maggie. He will tell you it's $20. You say, what? What? Just Maggie? <laughs> but you have to do it because he's solving a problem for you. He's solving a problem. So acquire a skill. Acquire an extra skill. If you already have a skill, sharpen it up. Sharpen your skills. Don't just sit down and be waiting. You know that ah, one day everything will be fine. No. This is about exchange. It's about exchange. Give your skills commercial value. Give it commercial value. Alex comes here every, every Sunday. We pay him to come to church. Because he has a skill that nobody else has. It's as simple as that. He comes to church, but we pay him to come to church. Basically, that's what it comes down to. Because he comes to church, he gets blessed. In fact, he gets blessed more than a lot of people that, that are, that are just member of the church. When, when he's talking with me, I know that this guy is listening, he's blessed. But we pay him to come to church. So when, that's why you see when, when his friend, the other uh, his friend doesn't come, you know, that one, because we're not paying him to come to church, so he might decide not to come. But this guy, because he has a skill, he has a skill that we don't, me, I can, I can take pictures too, but I can't do more than one thing at the, at the time. Samson, the same thing. He can't do more than one thing at the time. He has to focus on what he's doing. But, but you, you will agree that the quality of what is different is as that. That's what skill is. So it's not that, you know, you, you, you just sit down there and say, uh, everybody does this. No, you have to sharpen your own and give it an edge that people will say, okay, if I pay this guy, I will see the results of why I'm paying him. I will see the difference. And this is very important, all right? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Great men. The only person that will stand before great men is the person who is diligent. He says, see, do you see a man that is diligent in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before ordinary men. All right. Let's see if we can take one more. All right? I think we'll stop there. For, we'll take a, a, a third one and then we'll stop there. Point number three. Create a monthly budget and stick to it. Create a monthly budget and stick to it. Let me just say here that some of the things we are sharing, they, they might sound like a lot of things, 
But the truth of the matter is that it might be just one thing that you will hear from all of this series and you will actually implement. This budget thing is what reminds me of this. There was a seminar we attended. My wife and I, will remember, she will remember this. We attended one particular seminar. It was a financial seminar and the person was teaching about how to, how to uh, implement a budget. It's not because we did not know that we were supposed to do budget. But for some reason, that seminar was when we decided from that day that, okay, we are actually going to be doing a budget, period. And from then, she has been consistent with it. You do the budget every month, and I am obligated to follow it, if I don't want trouble. So look at it and be sure that what you are spending is within the, the allocation of the budget. Because the budget is just a simple tool. But what it helps you to do is to track your inflow so that you can limit your outflow to below your inflow. Let me say that again. A budget helps you to track your inflow so that you can limit what is going out and keep it below your inflow. Budget is not just so that I know how I'm spending my money. Because that's the idea people have of budget. That I have a budget. What they mean is that they are spending their money anyhow, but as long as they can tell you how they spent it, they think they are fine. No, that's not the purpose of a budget. The purpose of a budget is start with what is coming in and then keep what is going out to be, maybe next week I will, I will try and give you, you know, de describe some of these things in a, in a more uh, visual way so that you understand it. To track what is going out in a way that keeps it within what is coming in. And this is a biblical principle. It's not something that we just look chapter 14 verse 28. It says, for which of you, intending to build a tower, not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. So this is, is biblical. You have to sit down count the cost and see whether you have enough to finish it and then make sure you are living below your means, living below your income, not within, live below your income, below, because expenses always rise to the level of your income. That is Parkinson's law. It's not the, the disease, it's Parkinson's law. It says expenses always rise to the level of your income. There is no other way around it. You cannot dispute that. Every time you have a raise, if you are not disciplined to maintain your lifestyle at the point where it is, you will soon discover that your expenses will just, they will rise like, you know, like a, a loaf of bread that, has been, that they, it will just rise like this and catch up with your income. And you will, you will, you will just look back and say, ah, but I thought I had a raise just two months ago. What happened? And suddenly you are back where you started from. It's because of this law. So you have to understand that this is what happens and it is left to you. The only thing you have control over in this equation is yourself, is discipline. That's the only thing you have control over. And that's what it means to be a disciple, is discipline. Proverbs 21, verse 17. Proverbs 21, 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. If you are all about pleasure, you, you cannot be rich. That's not the, the, the path to riches. That's why in this church... We, are, we said it from day one. There is no pressure in this church. Look, anybody that comes here and wants to put pressure on anybody else in this church as, you know, I'm the, I'm the one that God has blessed. I will pray you out of this church by myself. I will go before the Lord and pray you out because my, my sincere desire is that everybody will be able to come here without feeling that they have to meet up with anybody's standard. There's nothing like that. Uh -huh. Feel like, uh, ah, look at what everybody else is doing. No, no, no. no. You run your own race. You stay in your lane. Run your race. At the appropriate time, you will be able to do the things that you aspire to do as you, as you walk with God and you move it up. All right? So that is very important. Can you take one more? 
Okay, I think you are, you are tired. Are you tired or can I give you one more point? Okay, let's, let's take one more and we will we'll, we'll receive our offering. So, point number four, and this one is also very, very important. Point number four, don't stop giving. Don't stop giving. This, especially for Christians, don't break kingdom principles in an attempt to get ahead in life. This is what Christians do. You know, they, they, are, they are already tithing. You know, they are giving. But because they have a project, or they want to buy a, a car, or, you know, they, they want to do something, right? Then they start cutting away. Like, I remember one time we had a financial situation where we needed to raise a certain amount of money. We didn't cut away, you know, partnership or our ties or anything. You cut your own, cut from your grocery, your subscriptions, cut all those things that give you pleasure. That's what you should be cutting. Because the person that loves pleasure, he cannot be, he's a poor man. That's what the Bible says. That's where you start. It's not the avenues that God wants to use to bless you that you are removing. That's not the idea. Proverbs chapter 3 from verse 9 to 10. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. I'm reading the Amplified Bible. It's the women's Bible because it has a lot of words. So it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. And it says, what is the meaning of crops? Income. Uh -huh. The first fruits of all your income. You know, I know there are churches that, be, that believe you give your first salary. We don't believe that here. If God tells you to do that, that's you. But first fruit is your tithe. That is the first part of your income. It belongs to God. You return it to him. Verse 10. Then your bonds will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is the principle. We honor God with our substance because God is a respecter of principles. You cannot break kingdom principles. It's like you are trying to break God's rules and you are, you are trusting God to bless you. Like, how does that even work? You know, and you see that, you know, I... I we say it all the time that my wife and I, we are new pastors in terms of running a church by ourselves on our own. <laughs> we are new to that. But we are not new to church. Since our late teens, we have been around church. We know, you know all the signs. Like when people want to leave church and they start dodging you, they start doing funny, funny things. Say, ah, we have seen this thing before. Do you remember this person? When they went to their heart, that's how they are doing. So we know some of those tricks that people do. But we have seen so many scenarios that people... Maybe they, they, they want to do something. Maybe you know, they're trying to go to, to school or do a course or whatever. They just, they delete everything. It's like God no longer exists. Tithe, phew, offering. Phew. In fact, sometimes they will stop coming to church altogether. Because transportation itself is, is too much. <laughs> There's too much money for gas. So I'm not even going to church. So they will cut everything as if that is what will produce the blessing. Anything that is in your hand that is not enough to meet your need is a seed. These are principles in the kingdom. That people don't understand. If, if what you have in your hand is not enough, you are trusting God for $10,000 and you have $100. Do you think that $100 is what will suddenly multiply into $1,000? That $100 is your seed. It is inside that $100 that the $10,000 you are trusting God for is. It's not by keeping that and putting it in one, in one corner that it will multiply suddenly to become, which, which bank do you want to put $100 that the interest will reach $10,000? <laughs> in your lifetime to get there. You know, so that's the idea. You understand that these are godly principles. We budget our tithe with our spending. This is how, it's a part of it. It's not, if somebody says, I'm giving you $100, as a Christian, you already know that you don't have $100. If somebody says today that I'm giving you $100, you already, in your mind as a child of God, you already know that I only have 90 because $10 out of this $100 belongs to God. And from your children now, from when they are little, you start teaching them. You start to make it something that, is, that stays in their mind. I mean, the, the, the story that I, I remember so well is my, my, my former boss in Nigeria. 
when I was living with him. Somebody came to his house one day, and he was having, this is another example of how, you know, why I said you have to be wealthy, because there are some things that God will tell you to do. I mean, the guy came to his house to have a meeting with him for something else. He didn't come to ask him for money. While they were talking, God said to him, make this guy a millionaire before he leaves here. Ah, he said, God, how far now? This person is talking to me about something else. He's not even asking me for money. Like, it is, what is this issue? And God kept telling him, make this dude a millionaire before he leaves this place. So he got up and said, I'm coming. He went upstairs, took his checkbook, and he was about to write. As he was about to write, God said, what are you doing? Ah. He said, I'm, I'm, you said make him a millionaire. I want to give him one million now. What does it cost to be a millionaire? Is it not one million? God said, yeah. But what are you writing? He said, I'm writing one million. He said, no. When that guy gives his tithe from that one million, will he still be a millionaire? Ah. He said, that's the day he understood that, okay, so this is how God in heaven takes this thing. He said, will he still be a millionaire if you, after you, you are writing one million? So when he pays his tithe of 100,000, will he still be a millionaire? He said, no. So he said, what you are going to do is write one million, then you write another one for 100,000. Tell him that this one is your tithe. I don't want you to take out of this money because God said I should make you a millionaire. So take your 100,000 as your tithe so that you still have your million. So that's the day you understood that even God in heaven is watching this matter. So, but if, if you, are, you are on the level of, of ten, ten, uh, $100 to give $10, $10 is a problem. You see, when you, when you sell one massive inheritance and they give you $50,000, that's the day you remember. That you will not call it tithes that, that then. You say, ah, to give $50,000 to church. Is it not Shewan Dockers? That's the day you will bring it down to, to the level that it will look stupid to you. <laughs> ah, to give, so I should now carry $50,000 and give Shewan Dockers to be doing their church. No, no. Ah, then that's when you will now remember that. Ah, it's $50,000 safe. I can divide it among, <laughs> I can divide it among 50 churches <laughs> and be a blessing to everybody. Is that not what the Bible says? Then you start looking for ways to justify why you will not do it because you have not been faithful in a little. These are principles, you know, again, that. Not everybody will understand it. Not everybody will practice it. Not everybody will be comfortable enough. But you have to start from where you are. With the little that you have, start from where you are. And God will grow you. You will find out that when you get to the point where you are giving, you know, $10,000 10, 10, as tight, 100000 as tight, it will mean nothing to you. It will mean nothing to you because you have grown to that point. You have grown to that point. And money is not something that you look at and say, ah, when will we ever see this again? Let me read one more scripture and then we'll tie it up today. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. We'll continue from here next week. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. These are things that are in the Bible. Nobody, I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. I'm not the one that wrote it there. So it's not like anybody's looking for anything from you. They are telling you that the, the soul does not wait to be rich before it becomes generous. It is the generous soul that will be made rich. It says there is, there is one who scatters yet increases. There is one who withholds more than is right. More than is right means you are now, you are now touching what belongs to God. That's more than, more than is right. It says it leads only to poverty. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the supply of your spirit concerning this message. We ask, Lord, that you establish this word in our hearts. Establish it in our lives, O oh God. That this will be a part of our lives. That we'll understand these things once and for all. The grace to do what we have learned. Grant unto us in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. 
Amen. All right, so next week, we'll, we'll wrap this up, okay? And like I said, um, it's, I know it's Valentine, but um, I, I promise you, if money is one of the top three reasons for divorce. Money is one of the top three reasons why people divorce. They have actually not been able to, to, to say where it ranks among the top three reasons, but it's among, always among, there's no survey that anybody has done anywhere in the world about why people divorce. It's always money. Money is always there. And money is such a big deal. It can, it can see, when you're talking about money, your blood pressure rises. Uh, one happened recently with my wife and I in our house. I was, it was late. There was no, the light in the room was off. We were just talking about money. And all of a sudden, my voice just started rising. And she, she just said, ah, why are you talking to me like that? That's when I realized. I'm like, ah, no, I'm not angry. You, you can't see my face because it's dark. But I'm actually not angry. It's just that when you talk about money, something, you just start elevating. And you start vibrating. I see, you know. You know, so if you can master this, you get this right, I'm telling you, you'll be happy. And then the week after, we'll talk about secrets of a happy marriage. All right, so we're going to give you an opportunity to give uh, before we leave. If you have not already done so, uh, I know that a lot of us, you know, have done this this week. Some of us today, uh, some of us don't even wait for offering time anymore, which is the culture that we're trying to build. This is just an opportunity for anybody else, right, who, you know, maybe forgot or for some reason, you know, they, they, they just want to do it again. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.